I'm very excited for this morning's message because just as Mike had shared his testimony, so much of, of what he had shared really is about what we're going to speak about this morning. And um, I want to just jump into it by reading the passage and then we'll just get right into it. Read with me in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 25. It's here in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It says, This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. Before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man. Did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus. For he will save the people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until the son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, right now we... We come to celebrate your great love for us. And God, I ask that as we have read a story that we have all heard since we were young, that this morning that it would be made fresh. It would be made new. That God, that we would be able to see how you had used young men and women in your eternal plan. So Father, I ask that you would give me your spirit to rest upon me, to speak your words of life. That in this moment, that person who's struggling or her need, who needs to be affirmed would, would walk away looking at Christmas different this year. We thank you for these sacred spaces. In Christ's name, amen. So we all know the story of Joseph and Mary. We've all heard it many, many times. In many of our houses, we have little nativity scenes. Matter of fact, right now, do you know Lego has a nativity scene? I mean, what a way to make money, Legos. You want to you steal the heart of a kid, they even have a Lego Bible. Matter of fact, one of my children had asked for the brick Bible, which is the Lego Bible. And so you have Jesus as a Lego action figure and all these different things. And, and oh, how we've commercialized the, the birth of our Son of God. But you know what? If Legos bring my, pe- my kids to Jesus, I'm cool with that. But in that, we know the story. We know the story of Mary. And, and so much of the time, we start by focusing on Mary. And, but now we see Joseph. You see, here's what we know about Joseph is. We know Joseph was a good man. We know that he was an upstanding man. We know that he was a man of character. We knew that there was something special about him. Because when you read Matthew chapter 1, it says that he was a man of respect. And so he was engaged to this probably 12 or 13 year old girl that terrifies me because my girl is 12 or 13 and anyone who wants to marry my daughter at the age of 13 will meet Uncle Remington. (laughs) For all you gun fanatics out there, you know who that is. 
and I have an old school side by side, they don't want to meet that. But in this, they were engaged, but that was part of their society that, that when, a, when a woman was able to conceive children, she was, she was to be married off and she would marry someone who was older, who, who had a career, who, and he was a carpenter and, and he was going to take her under, under him as his wife and they were going to, to have children and be happy and, and live in their town of Nazareth. And everything was going as planned until one day Mary went up to Joseph and said, Joseph, we got to talk. We don't know about the conversation. We don't know how it went. All we know is that he was told that she was pregnant. And it wasn't his. And that he was going to have to somehow fathom that God had impregnated Mary. Burp, yeah right, didn't happen. I mean, there's a lot of things to believe, but to really throw God under the bus just as Mary was trying to do, he had every right to walk away and say, no, I'm done. I don't want this. But you see, when we look at the scripture, we see something very significant about Joseph. And I got to keep coming back to this time after time. He was, a, he was a respected man. He was a good man. And so as he thought through this whole situation, this whole dilemma he was in, because he was in a dilemma, because here's what happens. If he takes Mary to be his wife, There's two consequences. One, she will be stoned. We don't realize that. She will be stoned. And you know, when Mike talks about his growing up, he grew up in Iran up until I think sixth grade, right? Sixth grade about. This stuff is real. This stuff happens every single day. This is not just ancient biblical history. These things still happen today. Or she would have been excommunicated, kicked out of the village, and and basically left to die. Kind of like the woman at the well. But for Joseph, if he would have taken her as, as his wife, he wouldn't have been stoned to death. But he would have been excommunicated. And his immediate family and all his relatives that lived in his town, too, would have been blackballed. But there's also another element to this. It's not only that that he would be looked down upon and frowned down upon, his career of being a young carpenter would have ended. No one would hire Joseph. He would have had to go to Samaria, to to the foreigners, the people different than him, to hopefully get paid at at a very small wage. You see, if he would have married Mary... He would have been looked at as a fornicator, a rebel. What is fornication? Someone who has sex before they're married. He wasn't an adulterer because he didn't cheat on her. He would have been a fornicator. And that is a no-no. And so here you have this young man whose life is all ahead of him. And he has an identity crisis. Think about that word. When do we usually have identity crisis? We say our teenagers... Yeah, right. We all have identity crises all the stinking time. Look at Facebook. I mean, when you look at Facebook, everyone is trying to be something they're not. Are you really that stinking happy every single day? Liar. We know where liars go. You look at Twitter. No. 
We all have these identity crises all the time. And then we have something called a midlife crisis. And now there's even other forms of crisis in their 60s and in their 70s. But Joseph's first major identity crisis comes at this moment. Is he going to adopt this identity as being a sinner, as being sinful, as being an outcast? And it comes back that he was a man who was highly respected, so he decided to divorce her quietly. You see, engagement back then was much like marriage. You had to go through a legal divorce. And so he said, you know what I'm going to do is, whatever she had done to me, I'm going to do it quietly. I'm not going to publicly humiliate her, which I want to do. I'm not going to get her stoned. I'm going to do everything that she gets off scot-free. And so he falls asleep. And the same angel who visited Mary visits Joseph. And he reads and he says this Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from his sins. Just as the angel appeared to Mary, the angel appeared to Joseph and told him everything that was going to happen, that had happened. And he even brought up something about prophecy. He said that this is the fulfillment. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. And something happened in that dream. That the moment he awoke, he went to her and took full responsibility of being the father, really the stepfather of the Son of God. First of all, I want to just a little side note because that's what I do a lot. Dreams. How cool is it that Mike shares of this story of a dream that he had as a little boy, that God would speak to him. Do you know that's normal all throughout the world? You see, in our Western societies, we've almost blocked God out so much that whenever God does speak to us in dreams, that, that we don't believe it, we don't think it, we don't realize that that's a part of biblical theology. But all throughout the world, especially in the Muslim nations, God is appearing to people all the time Jesus has appeared to Muslims all throughout the world, revealing who he is. You see, that's biblical theology to believe that when I go to bed tonight, that possibly, possibly God wants to communicate to me. Do you realize that before Joseph had heard this dream, that for over 400 years there was no prophecy? And all Joseph and his family were waiting for was, was for a prophet to stand up. The John the Baptist, the one who was going to proclaim the way of the Messiah. And here he is, just your average Joe. Your average guy. A carpenter 
blue-collar worker, God appears to him in a dream and says, you will be the one. Not the young man in Jerusalem, not the one living in the temple, not the one living in the palace, not the one living in Rio Vista, but you, the one. And as I think about this, I got to be honest with you, I feel like when I look at Joseph and what happened in his dream is the whole gospel message. In three words, son of of David. Joseph was from the lineage of King David. Matter of fact, if you really look at both Mary and Joseph's lineage, they both come from the line of David. And he knew because all about Israel's history is told through story and story and story. He knew that his great, 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 great grandfather was the king of Israel. And the moment that the angel had said to him, Joseph, son of David, I believe with all my heart, that's when he got it. You see, he had an identity crisis. Was he going to be looked at as this, this fornicator, this, this sinner, this, this low of the low, the guy who was doing everything right, and then he took upon himself to be selfish and have sex with his fiancée? Was he going to have this imagery that, that he was going to be cast out of his town and, and he was going to be looked down upon and his career would never be set off? Or was he going to trust that he wasn't only the son of David, but he was God's child? You see, that's the thing with an identity crisis. When we have an identity crisis, we're we're trying to, in many ways, create ourselves. right? I want to, like this morning, I wanted to be like Brandon, okay? (laughs) I wanted to be like Brandon. Brandon, stand up. My son dresses better than me, and everyone tells me. All that everyone tells me. Good job. Grab a seat. Your moment's done. An identity crisis. We create ourselves, or recreate or keep recreating who we want to be, who we want to look like, how we want to act, what we want to picture our life to become. And so we set in motion our identity of of working on it and working on it and working on it until one day people say, wow, you look good. Thanks, I want to look like my son today. You look like you have it all together. You look like you're holding the world in the palm of your hand. I've been following you on Facebook. But in that, we literally come to this crisis moment that we just keep recreating who we are. And every time we look in that stupid mirror, we know the reality of our soul. 
We know how broken and and messed up we are, no matter what kind of car we drive or what kind of house we have. And and think about Christmas. Tomorrow is a huge identity crisis for parents. Like, did I get my kids enough? Will they be thankful? Did I compare with the neighbors? What about the sneakers? Did I get the right sneakers? Because I know Johnny down the road, he's got the KD3s. And they just came out with KD7s. And so tomorrow is going to be a living nightmare for some of you because you're going to go through this identity crisis. Will my kids accept me for what I gave them? Amen? Seriously, let's be honest. Like, dude, there has to come a point that you're just like, forget it. Forget it. It's either my love or or, or that's it. That's what we do on Christmas. We just give them a gift and and they open it. It says love in it. And they're just like, we love you so much. We didn't need anything. But in that, it's this idea of identity. And when I look at the Christmas message, all I see is that God lavished his love on us. 1 John 3, that he called us sons and daughters of God. You see, for God so loved the world that when he saw the world in this sinful identity crisis, He said, now it's time. I've been quiet for 460 something years. I forget it's 462 or 463, whatever it is. I've been quiet for that long. But now I'm going to speak a new identity into each individual who wants to be called my son or daughter. Not just the Israelites, but the Samaritans, the Gentiles, the foreigners the people that weren't in that, 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 that excluded group. And yet the thing that we don't realize when we read all of the Old Testament, all foreigners were always welcome to the people of Israel. Did you know that? Always. It was never an excluded group. It was always an included, inclusive group of people who had the opportunity to be loved by the one and only God. And so this morning, as I think about this idea of like, how do we start off tomorrow? How do we start off this whole Christmas season when we probably spent more money than we should have? The question is this, where does your identity lie? Does your identity lie in who you are and what you've created or what you keep recreating? You keep evolving yourself. Or are you able to just like Joseph. See the reality of who you are. Talk about chaos. The reality of who you are. And stop and say, I choose to be identified as a son or daughter of the Most High. You see, that's the crisis moment. That's the crisis moment. And for me, Mike painted a very nice, simple picture of Rob Parker. No, I I wasn't that nice of a guy. I was a jerk. I was screwed up. I had so many different identities. I thought at one point I was a rapper and then I was a deadhead. I, I didn't know what I was. I remember one time I came off the plane to visit my brother Scott in Chicago and I was wearing like this, um, uh, 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 what is that? Remember that thing I was wearing around my neck? I looked like Flavor Flav. 
And here I am, 6'5", white boy, walking out looking like Flavor Flav with this African hat on. He's like, what are you doing? I get that. I thought I was a Rastafarian. No joke. But there has to come a point in all of our lives that we resolve our issue of identity. Am I going to keep recreating myself? Or am I going to take serious this gospel Christmas message that yes, I believe that God, the one and only God, sent His one and only Son into this one world and that whoever believes in Him will have eternal life. We like to talk about all these crisscrossing paths. Like, God is not a confusing God. God made it simple. I love you so much, I'm becoming like you. Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. You want to celebrate Christmas. You want to celebrate Christmas for what it really is and let this be what propels your life. Then take on His identity as either a son or daughter of the Most High. You know what's crazy about the story of Joseph is this? All we know is that he never get to see the fulfillment of his son. So much in our, in, our, in our Western world, our postmodern world, the 20, 21st, 2nd century, whatever we're in, it's all about me seeing the fulfillment of my gifts. Me seeing the fulfillment of my talents. Me seeing the fulfillment of what my hands have, have created. And yet Jonah, in faith, through faith, never saw the fulfillment of his son here on earth. He wasn't at the cross. He wasn't at the resurrection. And yet, he trusted God even when no one trusted him. That's having secure identity that is only found in a baby. Imagine that. All of his identity lied in this little, little baby. Here's what I want to challenge us with this morning. How are you going to step into this week? How are you going to step into tomorrow? How are you going to step into Tuesday and Wednesday? For some of you, Wednesday is going to be like stepping into hell. I'm serious. Do you know the worst holiday in all the world for families is Christmas? Do you know there's statistics out there how people love Thanksgiving, but they're terrorized of Christmas because they have no idea what someone's going to do. They have no idea in a world of broken marriages and blended, 45 blended families, like, where do I go? Where do I find myself? Where do I find my identity in this day that we're supposed to celebrate as family? And so today we get to resolve this. That in this day, my identity 
is not found in who I create. But my identity is found in my creator. Because he sent his son. That he loved me so much. That he gave his life for me. Here's what we're going to do this morning during communion. This is a morning for all of us to respond. If you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you when we go to communion to to come forward. And as you come forward, there's going to be passages of of who you are in Christ. Passages that define who you are if you are a child of God. In Christ, I am. And as you come up and you take the bread and you dip it into the cup, let those phrases pour over you. If you're here and you're just visiting, you're saying, you know what, this is the first time I've ever ever heard this. Probably ever heard it like this. And you're saying, you know what, I want to start out today with my identity found in Jesus. I want to invite you to come forward. And say, Jesus, this is is my new identity. That because your, your body was broken and your blood was shed, I want to take on your identity. And if you're just here saying, I'm just here to just watch, then I invite you to stay in your seats. But this time of communion is a time of affirmation. A time to say, yes, you are a son of God. Yes, you are a daughter of God. And no matter what happens in the next several days, that today you would be affirmed in your faith that God so loved you That no matter what you've done, no matter what you've done, no matter what you're doing, today, you have a new identity that's only found in Jesus. I want to ask you if you would help me at communion on the other side.